0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Overtime Leader podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Davis, founder of Overtime Leader and author of First Time Leader. As most of you know, Overtime Leader has been helping leaders in technology companies navigate the complexity and uncertainty that comes with building the unknown. And now more than ever, it's important for leaders to understand the role that they play um, leading their teams through these time, unprecedented times of change, uncertainty, and a little bit of fear. I hope you are all well and are, you know maintaining your resilience and self-awareness through this time of um, disruption. It's been a very interesting 12 weeks for me, both as an individual and as a business owner. Um, And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today and some of the themes that have stuck out um, through the conversations I've been having with clients and friends and partners, but also through my own journey. Our guest today is Martin Henault, who um, talks to us about mental health. Uh, Martin has a fantastic um, background working in um, starting his career as a co-founder of a uh, RFID um, technology for access to large events and he's implemented that technology in festivals such as Coachella, Lollapalooza, um, and then from there moved into C2 Montreal as COO and CEO of Asia Pacific. Um, for those that don't know, C2 Montreal is an amazing innovative conference that happens in May um, in Montreal, where I'm from, so Marte and I, uh, you know, share share quite a bit in common. Um And, you know, through his work at C2, he was able to work with uh, leading minds such as Richard Branson, James Cameron, Snoop Dogg, to Steve Wozniak. Why I wanted Marte on the podcast was um, we connected through an amazing community called Elevation Barn, which I joined in January. I would highly recommend that you all check out Elevation Barn. It's about bringing leaders um, in their own field that are keen to build a positive impact together. Um, and they've been putting together some great like thought communities um, during the lockdown time. And I met Malte through one of those. Uh, He was speaking on the subject of mental health. And I really found um, it inspiring how he shared his own um, stories from learning about his own mental health and then how to enable that awareness in others. He now sits... Um, on the board of uh, Quebec Inov and is chairman of the nonprofit Reviv which is a Quebec-based um, charity that helps provide tools and access and resources uh, for those suffering with anxiety depression and other uh, mental health challenges and I wanted to talk to Martin about you know what what's the role that managers play when it comes to mental health especially in times where our mental health is definitely being tested I know for me personally, this the past 12 weeks have been um, extremely challenging and testing for my own anxiety. I've had challenges sleeping. I've had a racing mind feeling like I'm not doing enough, coupled with feeling like I'm doing too much. Um, This guilt swing that happened a lot at the beginning from, you know, feeling like in tears every night at the death rates and then. Also feeling like, oh, there's actually a lot that I like about lo- lockdown and struggling to know what to do with these kind of quite conflicting um, feelings within me. And not only that, helping my team um, and my clients through their own uh, mental health struggles or challenges in this time. Um, a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of change And um, I've noticed a lot of people feeling they need to, you know, show up as that strong, stoic leader, um, but at the same time, not creating enough space of vulnerability so that there's real conversations um, being had. So lots to unpack. And it it was a fantastic conversation with Maltain. I think it's very timely um, in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that is going on right now and, you know, coupling the, the importance of that, the need for change, but also recognizing that with change comes stress stress and highly emotive and our need to take care of ourselves in this time and to also take care of others. So I'm going to talk a little bit first about my uh, lockdown journey. The first thing that I did when we realized, okay, things are going things are going into lockdown, countries are closing borders, um, was to offer my time out to those in need and, um, started doing a lot of pro bono coaching. And for the first two weeks, it felt fantastic. I felt useful. I was meeting people all over the world and, um, yeah, it was a little, I think thinking back now, it's kind of a band um, for, or denial of what was actually happening within, which was, oh, oh shoot. Like, what's going to happen to the business? Um, We're supposed to kick off a leadership program in May with an in-person kickoff. Is that going to happen? Um, How much, you know, cash do we have in the bank? How long can I go on for? But kind of pushing that down in order to show up for others. And I started to recognize this in the clients that I was talking to. A lot of managers were kind of like pushing their feelings aside in order to show up for their teams and really prioritized Um, helping others or serving others over serving ourselves. How that turned out for me was I hit a wall about end of March and um, kind of like a mini burnout. I couldn't think about work. I was exhausted and it was very hard for me to focus. I worked a lot with my coach. So my coach was amazing, adapted our schedule so that we could um, speak less less but more frequently and to kind of check in on me um, so that I didn't kind of totally lose it. And it helped me kind of take that step back. Uh, there, If you remember mid-March, there was like a huge surge of activity on social media. And I think, you know, everyone was kind of trying to figure out their place, um, their, their want to be helpful, but also um, driven by a lot of fear and uncertainty. And I think that came across in some of the posts we were seeing and some of the offers we were seeing and it's not to criticize I think we're all just figuring it out but it did I found I I got caught up in that need to produce in that need to offer in that need to serve and um, it did not serve me at all Um, so taking that step back and reflecting sitting with ideas and making sure that anything that I did come forward with was um, coming from a place of groundedness instead of a reactionary place and what's interesting is I'm seeing that same kind of activity coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement Um, a lot of reaction a lot of um, not necessarily thought through um, posts coming from brands right that are kind of just capped. Capturing the moment instead of really thinking through the impact that they want to have um, over, over time and making sure that, you know, for you guys to not get caught up in the moment, but actually use this time to think and reflect and go, okay, you know, I care about this movement. I want to make a difference. And, you know, think about over time, how are you able to consistently make a difference to the Black Lives Matter movement, not just in the now? And that's what will create that long lasting systemic change is if we commit to doing this every day for until we find that equality, not just on a Tuesday or um, when it's convenient or because everyone else is doing it. So keep talking, keep pushing, keep fighting, um, but make sure you're not like just doing it for now. And you've got the space and capacity and you're reflecting to make real concerted effort over the long run. So speaking back to some of the conversations I was having with the people that took up my offer for the pro bono coaching, a lot of themes came out of that. And um, some of those themes, I'm sure you will relate to the sense of vulnerability, the sense of, you know, how do I show vulnerability without letting myself go to my team? Um, that sense of needing to fix everything. So I've noticed there's a lot of desire to control in this time. Um, and I've just put out a post recently on, on letting go and, and using the model that I use called the leadership pendulum. And it's very important at this time to really let go. Let go of things that you might be holding on to from the past. Um, let go of needing to control your team. Take that step back. Create space for yourself because we're coming into a time of design. In order to design, we have to let go of constraints. We have to let go of, you know, things that might have served us really well in the past, but actually don't scale into this new future. And you need to have that mental clarity to be intentional with what you design and see it as an exciting opportunity. I've counseled people when they talk about team culture in distributed environments to not try and copy paste what you were doing. I know a lot of folks were... um, doing like happy hours uh, at the end of the week via Zoom, and there was very much a moment in the lockdown where that was extremely appropriate and needed and really great for people, especially those alone in isolation, to come together and feel part of a community. However, as we go into realizing that now this is a long-term strategy, let's start thinking about what kind of long-term sustainable team culture can we build if we're going to stay in a mixed or fully distributed environment? And what I want you to do is look at the elements of team culture that feel really important to you in your team in the past. What worked well? Um, What made you a high-performing team? Um, And identify those in clear statements. Then look at the resources you have available and start from scratch. Because not everything can copy paste well into um, virtual world. And as we've discovered, I'm sure, I know I'm feeling Zoom fatigue, like I even struggled to join some family calls over the weekends, because I just did not want to look into my screen anymore. The solution can't always just be another Zoom call. What we're finding as we redesign all of our workshops for clients in this time is revisiting everything. And it's been challenging for sure. Like I could, pre-lockdown you know rock up to a workshop and honestly ha- I have the toolbox in my head that I could just kind of adapt and do it on the spot. I'm now having to really think through and be very intentional with the design that goes into the workshops that we're running. Um, I don't believe in doing full-day workshops in remote environments. It's about chopping and cutting up everything and and finding that flow and really thinking about experience design. Um, and using the tools that we have instead of focusing on what we did use. So think about some of the pre-work uh, stuff that people can do on their own. Think about smaller group sessions. Not everything needs to be let's go on a Zoom call and fix it that way because that's exhausting, as we've all come to discover. Our guest today is Martin Henault, who um, talks to us about mental health. Uh, Martin has a fantastic um, background working in Um, starting his career as a co-founder of a uh, RFID um, technology for access to large events. And he's implemented that technology in festivals such as Coachella, Lollapalooza. um, And then from there, moved into C2 Montreal as COO and CEO of Asia Pacific. Um, For those that don't know, C2 Montreal is an amazing, innovative conference that happens in May um, in Montreal, where I'm from. So Marte and I... Uh, you know, share share quite a bit in common, um, and you know through his work at C two, he was able to work with uh, leading minds such as Richard Branson, James Cameron, Snoop Dogg, to Steve Wozniak. Why I wanted Marte on the podcast was um, we connected through an amazing community called Elevation Barn, which I joined in January. I would highly recommend that you all check out Elevation Barn. It's about bringing leaders um, in their own field that are keen to build a positive impact together. Um, and they've been putting together some great like thought communities um, during the lockdown time. And I met Malte through one of those. Uh, he was speaking on the subject of mental health. And I really found um, it inspiring how he shared his own um, stories from learning about his own mental health and then how to enable that awareness and others. He now sits um, on the board of uh, Quebec innov and is chairman of the nonprofit Revive, which is a Quebec-based um, charity that helps provide tools and access and resources uh, for those suffering with anxiety, depression, and other uh, mental health challenges. And I wanted to talk to Martin about, you know, what What's the role that managers play when it comes to mental health, especially in times where our mental health is definitely being tested? I know for me personally, this the past 12 weeks have been um, extremely challenging and testing for my own anxiety, I've had challenges sleeping. I've had a racing mind, feeling like I'm not doing enough, coupled with feeling like I'm doing too much. Um, This guilt swing that happened a lot at the beginning from, you know, feeling like in tears every night at the death rates, and then also feeling like, oh, there's actually a lot that I like about lockdown and struggling to know what to do with these kind of quite conflicting um, feelings within me. And not only that, helping my team um, and my clients through their own uh, mental health struggles or challenges in this time—a um, lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of change—and um, I've noticed a lot of people feeling they need to, you know, show up as that strong, stoic leader, um, but at the same time, not creating enough space of vulnerability so that there's real conversations um, being had. So, lots to unpack. And it, it was a fantastic conversation with Maltain. I think it's very timely um, in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that is going on right now. And, you know, coupling the, the importance of that, the need for change, but also recognizing that with change comes stress, stress and highly emotive and our need to take care of ourselves in this time and to also take care of others. So I am keen to hear... This is kind of an ask to those listening. If you have um, found a way of working that's that's really kind of shocking you, in the good way, um, in terms of the adjustments you've made in your team over um, the lockdown period, and some of the things that you're thinking about going forward, um, I would love to have you on this podcast, and so that you can share um, your insights. And I don't only want to hear success stories. I'd love to hear. Um, you know, what's gone well, what what hasn't gone so well, some of the assumptions you might have made going into it and, and what you've learned in the process. Because I think this time right now um, is all about sharing and being very generous with what we're sharing and what we're learning, um, sharing, you know, resources, sharing approaches, sharing tools. Uh, there is only goodness that comes from sharing in this time and I'd love to have people on who are willing to share what they've used um, so we can you know give that back to the listeners um, because I think we're all figuring it out right now. No one can say they're an expert because nobody's done this before and um, I'm excited for the time of design as we look at all these resources that are coming up and being super creative with how we work with this environment um, and to see what that produces. So please get in touch, Jillian at OvertimeLeader.com. Uh, if you want to be on the podcast, I'd love to have a conversation with you. So to talk about your um, experience as a team leader in this t- crazy time of lockdown. All right, on to today's podcast hosts. We've got Malte Eno, as I mentioned, we uh, talk about the role managers play with mental health, both both for themselves and also supporting their teams, Malte um, was amazing at sharing his own personal challenges um, and and you know experiences dealing with his own mental health and how that really transformed him as a leader. Going from being someone who was all about do 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 more 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 and pushing people to burnout um, to realizing how damaging that was for his teammates, but also for himself and not leading from a good place and now his leadership style has completely changed to be much more open, much more flexible, and to be honest, much more modern. So enjoy the podcast. I'd love to hear from you, um, hear what you think, and um, yeah, love to have you on a guest, as a guest uh, on the Overtime Leader Podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Marte, and welcome to the Overtime Leader Podcast. I'm excited to have you on today to talk about mental health. I would love for you to just start Sharing, you know, where you're a little bit about your background, where you've come from, and why this topic means so much to you.
1: Sure, and thank you for inviting me. It's really a pleasure being with you today. Mental health has been at the core of my life. Um, I myself suffered from anxiety and depression my entire life, and recently became aware that I'm also um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, So it's not a question about why it's important for me. I mean, it has to be important because of, of my own mental health well-being. Um, but I've quickly become aware that it's important for everyone's uh, well-being. The only problem is that most people don't have the tools or awareness. I'm an entrepreneur um, and business executive that started multiple companies and founded multiple companies in, in very crazy entertainment-related spaces um, in which stress was my day-to-day, lack of sleep, lack of eating, and such was my day-to-day. And it's become apparent to me after years of that, that you do need to have a balance life physically and mentally if you want to be successful and that's why i decided that on top of taking taking care of my own mental health that i was going to speak up about mental health in general as much as i can
0: awesome and how did you like what was the journey of finding that balance because i think we can get so addicted to being busy and almost seeing like the lack of sleep the lack of eating like as um like trophies in a way you know how do you shift from going from that lifestyle to a lifestyle of balance
1: I think balance can be viewed from different perspectives and I think at different points in life balance is different if you just had kid a kid, uh, a kid and, and you're you're trying to find a way to work uh, 60 hours a week taking care of your newborn um, and uh, figuring out a way to have personal time and it, it, it's just not gonna happen um mm-hmm. you have to find the right balance that is right for you at this point and be able to share with people what that balance means in my case i feel that uh, It's still a struggle for me at times to find what is the balance that I need to function well. What I do know is that I'm most creative when I work 40, 50 hours a week, not uh, 100 hours a week. And Mm -hmm. I know that um, I will find far better solutions to problem if I am well rested and eat well and exercise physically than if I eat junk food and uh, sleep less and and go in a a loop of, of stress.
0: Sometimes it's so simple. The formula, <laughs> it's not not that complicated, but it can be very complicated too. And like it takes a lot of strength to implement that on a daily basis when sometimes our minds and bodies want to go in a different direction.
1: And the reflex that we often have when we don't have much time is uh, that we're going to eat junk food, we're going to uh, take less time to exercise, we're going to spend less time socializing with a family, when in my mind, it's, it's the opposite of what we should do. I mean, we, we definitely need to prioritize when we have less time, but uh, you should never prioritize exercise or personal time out of your schedule, regardless of what's happening. Because after a while, you just become a robot that doesn't have emotion, that is not, no longer creative and, and doesn't focus on, on their well-being. Uh, exercise is a huge role to play in your physical and mental well-being. And it's the one thing that if you spend half an hour exercising, you probably have an extra hour of productivity in the day, regardless of having spent half an hour um, exercising.
0: It gives you energy, doesn't take it away. And I want to reflect on the roles you had as an entrepreneur and a senior executive who at the, also was you know, managing um, the challenges that come with mental health. And it, it sounds like also like in some cases undiagnosed. What did that do to your leadership style?
1: It made me a much more vulnerable and open and transformative leader. I mean, I, I honestly, early on in my career, I, I, I would react with anger and, and quickly lose patience when things didn't go my way. I thought that I could do things faster and better than most people around me. So I tend to, to try to find people that would just execute versus be creative thinker, which I've realized was the worst way possible that I, that I can work. So nowadays, I believe more in finding ways for myself to be irrelevant in an organization versus mm-hmm. being a superhero role where everything relies around me. And I I believe more in empowering people and giving them the ability to be humans. I, I mean, if I myself have days because of, of my bipolar disorder that I'm, I'm more depressive or, or more manic in, in ways, um, I should give that freedom to the staff as well of having good and bad days. And, and I should not mm-hmm. necessarily become a therapist for them, simply give them space for them to be themselves and also give them an understanding that it's we all need to fought, we'll try to be better humans every day everywhere we can
0: I love that sentence like if I'm gonna allow myself that time at the very least I should give my employees that time is this something you communicate with them like if you're having you know a lower day do you share that with the team
1: it depends on how I feel and and if I feel that it, it does affect people um, my initial reflex is to share more than not but never do so expecting people to want to be there for me in the sense that if i say a hey, I'm not having a great day. I'm having personal issues. I'm sorry if I'm not as responsive. And and if there's any issues, please raise it. Or if I, if you feel that I'm saying something inappropriate, please raise it. But that's the end of it. Not Mm -hmm. everyone asking like, what's wrong with you? Can we help you? Are you okay? Like just finding the right balance and where you can be yourself and people can be understanding without trying to be therapists.
0: Yeah. Stopping people from jumping into fix, right? It's not about fix. It's just about space.
1: Exactly. It's about having a safe space uh, for people.
0: I know from my own mental health journeys, uh, which is an ongoing roller coaster that I don't think ever stops, what's helped me is like raising my self-awareness to be really in tune with how I'm feeling, how I react, um, when I need to step back and when I need to push through. Do you have any um, approaches or tips that you can share that's helped elevate your self-awareness in this process?
1: give ways for people around me to catch me on my own bad behaviors in the sense mm. that if if i know that when i get more stressed out i start behaving a certain way or i start snapping more or I, uh or I, I, I start using certain words more i mean we all have trigger words that when we say um, it's, it means that there's some kind of behavior that, that goes around it. A lot of people suffering from anxiety talk about feeling that their head is spinning and spinning and spinning. But for example, a lot of people, when they're starting spinning in their head, will use certain terms or certain words. If you manage to tell people around you what those words are or those patterns are and, and have them feel okay telling you, hey, by the way, you've been saying this a lot, it starts enabling you to know how to take care of yourself because you have other people catching you in your own bad behavior or good. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad behavior. I'm just saying that Mm -hmm. if if it's something you want to work on, then you should allow people around you to help you work on that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like, if those things aren't caught early, it can lead to the behavior we don't feel proud of. Exactly. So for context, we met... um, through elevation barn in one of the community calls, and the subject was mental health and something I have been thinking a lot about in this time of you know COVID nineteen unprecedented change, um, unprecedented like lifestyles. Everything that we had come to known as normal has been thrown upside down, and obviously triggers. It, it is triggering, I think, for for people that. Had existing mental health conditions and were aware of it, and also may have triggered or brought up trauma for those that may not have been aware and are you know learning to live with anxiety or um, that racing mind for the first time and I've spoken to a lot of people um, who are you know leading a team and aren't sure what role they play in the mental health dialogue and even for myself as a you know As a coach, as a team leader, I'm not a therapist. We've talked about that on another podcast. What's the difference between coaching and therapy? You know, like I'm qualified to have some conversations, but definitely not others. And when it comes to a manager, like what role do they play in that relationship, wanting to be helpful and supportive, but not crossing that barrier to be a therapist. And I asked uh, Martin this question and that's kind of what triggered me to bring him on because he gave a great answer. Would you mind repeating that answer for um, the listeners on this podcast?
1: For sure. I mean, there's different ways to look at it, but, but by default, if you feel your employees need to do what you would expect out of therapy or what, with- uh, you are doing is what you expect that therapy is like, then you're definitely doing something wrong. But at the base of it, it's to avoid emotions uh, in, in those discussions. If you feel that you're trying to address people's emotion and becoming emotional about it and feeling the emotional burden, it means um, you're probably going in the wrong direction at it you should aim at having an open and vulnerable work environment where people feel okay being themselves without it becoming over uh, an overburden in which uh, there is just too much um, that of the data is too much time and the data is spent on uh, addressing those emotions or those issues. I mean, we all expect employees to be productive and, and managers to be productive. And if these discussions lead to being less productive, then it means something's wrong. Um, uh, and, and for managers that feel that they're not equipped, being able to tell the employees that they are not equipped but that they are equipped to listen and try to find the right help is a great way of avoiding to find, if, if, if fall in the trap of, of being seen as a therapist. Um, and in your region, I'm sure there's organizations like there is Revive in Montreal that I'm chairman of that have the ability to provide tools and, and learnings for managers that want to learn a bit more about mental health. And you should aim at looking mental health as an opportunity for yourself and your business to grow without feeling that it gives you the right to become a therapist.
0: Uh, yeah, so well said. And I think setting if I take away like a key point setting the constraints of the relationship um at the start of like a conversation so that there's clear like boundaries for the manager to employee um and it and it's clear what the manager is there to do um because I think We can sometimes maybe fall into the trap of wanting to be helpful and being um, like that shoulder to cry on. And there are times where that is necessary and appropriate, but if that's the default position, then it can be challenging to then flip and put the manager hat on and start talking about, can you go deliver this project? Um, So I think, yeah, having those, those boundaries.
1: It's also about being smart in the way you're looking at issues. First of all, if, if someone burns out in a company, I mean, it's, it's not the burden of the manager to find a way for the employee to get all the help they need. But in my mind, it's the burden of the manager to make sure the employee are fit to come back at work and, and have the right environment. I've seen so many cases where employees are set up for failure because their manager has no idea what they've been through. HR keeps the information away. They don't even know themselves. The insurance company controls information and such. So the person comes back to work for three days a week, set up for failure because everyone expects them to fail because they, they failed a the previous time. The manager not being involved in that. Like, and that, I think, is where a manager can be helpful. If someone loses a, uh, someone close to them, a kid, a parent, or boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, and such, um, you should expect them to need a few days to grieve and and slowly come back to work. And you should be open with them about that, regardless of vacation bank and such. At least you build trust that when there's issues that you respect it. Um, And the same way if someone goes on on sick leave, uh, you shouldn't just offshoot the problem to HR or to the insurance company or to themselves and actually take a small but key role in the recovery of just making sure they have access to what they need and they're not stuck in the loop, for example, with the insurance company pushing for them to come back at work when they still haven't received help. For example, in Quebec, it can take up to six to 12 months to see a psychologist or psychiatrist on, on the public uh, system. And if you're getting a week or a month of work to deal with your burnout, and you still haven't even received any kind of help or support, how can you expect to come back to work functionally?
0: Absolutely. And I've noticed, I've witnessed similar cases where someone has gone off on burnout and they're brought back in, and really the only change is like less work hours. But what seems to what's often missing is like what's the success plan? How is this person going to be set up for success so that um, you know they feel good? Like you don't want them to feel uh, like a failure coming back or that it was bad. Um, and it or taboo, you know, everyone dances around. Oh, they went off on sick leave. Um, it's it should be well. One, it should never happen. But if it does happen, you know, it should be seen as uh, strength to come back and and uh, get reintroduced. But there needs to be a plan um, to help them kind of rev back up and find their footing. But not just okay. Here's your old job. Just do it in three days instead of five.
1: And I uh, personally, I've. Uh- I'm not proud of it, but I can say I've driven a lot of stuff, especially in my younger years, to burnout because I Mm -hmm. push, 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 push without considering. When I started asking myself what were the warning signs of this happening, I realized that there's so many times where I could have caught it a few weeks before it actually reached a breaking point. And what I've learned through my implication mental health is when you catch people on a few weeks before they actually feel they need to go to a doctor and and burn out and, and actually already plan on helping them at that point, First of all, they don't have to fall. They feel supported and they Mm -hmm. can actually stay productive versus losing them completely for a long time. And maybe it's a question of saying, hey, you know what, just work two days a week for a few weeks, see how you go. Doing Mm -hmm. that prior to burning out means that instead of them leaving for 8, 12, 18, 20, 50 weeks, you only lose them for a few days a week for a few weeks and potentially they'll have time to deal with what's going on in that time
0: mm And when, can you share some of those signs that, that you think, you know, you could have caught out, caught caught it earlier?
1: Change in behavior. I mean, if you work with someone 40 hours a week, uh, every week of the year, even if they're not in touch with you all the time, you see how they smile, you see how they speak to you, you see how they engage with you. If it's been a few times that you realize a person hasn't spoken the same way back or smiled the same way mm-hmm. or made the same kind of jokes, and if it happens once, okay, if twice, okay, what is four, five, six, seven times that you're like, well, something's going on. I mean, it means that something's probably going on and, and being able to sit with the person just saying, look, is, is there anything we can do to help you? Because I feel that... that things have been different lately if you don't want to talk about it that's fine but I just want to say that we're open to help you out in any way if you feel you need help at least sets the person up for success and if they don't take the end then it's their problem in a way but at least the end is extended uh, at that point and mm-hmm. what I found is ever since I started doing that um, I've realized that in so many cases sometimes it's just something super simple that you can help the employee with or saying you know what come in at 10 instead of nine in the morning, this way you have time to deal with your kid and your mom who's ill, whatever, in the morning. So the employee comes in with a clear head instead of being stressed every morning at nine. And that can save you from burnout.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's having that flexibility. Well, one, awareness to check, to read people in the right way and notice behavior changes. But then that flexibility and mindset that, you know, what... Works for you in this time, and where can we work together? And I've noticed in this time the employees, especially those that have had to balance childcare and their work and trying to do it in the same amount of hours, um, whenever they've received uh, communication from the organization around like permission to work less hours to see through this period, or you know, like we don't expect you to be to be responding to Slack DMs every, with a 30 second response rate, like just that simple permission. I noticed people kind of breathe easier and realize like, and feel like they were supported by the organization. Um, and it was such, it's such small things, like you said, that can actually have a profound difference and stop people from going over the edge.
1: For sure, and just being more human. I think (laughs) that's the base of it and a human is born creative and should be given a creative functional environment their entire life in which they're free uh, to think freely and and treated equally and I think what's happening right now around the world um, in the Black Lives Matter movement I mean Black Lives Matter for sure and and racism is an issue globally Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think the same can be said about the Way women are treated in in many contexts, and the way that uh, humanity is not equal. I mean, if if we all treat each other as equal humans, I think our mental health, our physical health, and society as a whole will just function better and, and smoother.
0: Absolutely, it's something you said earlier, especially in your background, like entrepreneur working in high, fast-paced, fast-paced environments. There is this like hustle culture that's come up from. Um, tech startups, and you know what we're talking about kind of goes against the whole principles of working twenty four seven and the expectation on a lot of founders for their teams to work constantly and to not lead in a very human way. How does one go like push against that kind of culture wave?
1: I feel a change is coming slowly in the way that we basically have been telling founders of startups that they're supermen and superwoman uh, for years and that they should sleep less, eat less, and mm-hmm. just work, 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 work. I mean, there's a small amount of people that can actually thrive in that environment, and you shouldn't tell them not to do so because it would go against their nature, but there's a vast amount of people as well that are not thriving that environment. In my mind, banks and investors should be tracking mental KPIs as much as financial KPIs when they want to invest in a business, mm-hmm. and that we should find a way. Ways for introvert uh, founders to have as much success as extrovert uh, founders because uh, not because you're not good at a pitch for 30 seconds that you're not going to be successful in your company mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Steve Wozniak would not have been great at, at doing a pitch for Steve Jobs but he was definitely the brains in the early days of Apple that enabled it all to work um, I, I think as as partnerships come together and the right people come together, you should help people regardless of their background and not just judge them on their ability to pitch. And I think that it's what we should strive for in, in the way we want to inspire people in going into entrepreneurship instead of, of trying to sell them on the virtue of eating less, sleeping less, and working crazy hours, trying to inspire them on the virtue of doing more with less time and being more creative in the way they look at problems and their daily schedules.
0: Yeah, because you you know you, don't, you aren't creative when you're in back-to-back meetings. That's not when creativity happens and when you're forcing the work through. Creativity comes when you have space and openness and that chance to step back. And I always find it fascinating that we have glorified the like back-to-back intense work. But I think we're seeing the impact of that in some of the, you know, recent success to distress stories like the WeWorks and the Ubers, like the culture isn't right. The culture is not scalable. It's not, you know, a company that a lot of people put their hands up and say, I want to work there. Um, and I, I agree, I do think we're seeing a shift and I'm looking forward to glorifying those that you know, live a sustainable way uh, than glorifying those that you know, are living for a very short period of time.
1: I agree. And I remember Bill Gates saying a few years ago that uh, he was proud of showing Warren Buffett his schedule that was packed every single minute. And Warren Buffett showed him his schedule on the paper agenda where he barely had anything in his schedule. And he said that time is the most valuable resource. So why are you giving it away to everyone else? I do think that we need to change our perspective around how we plan our time and how we make it the most effective possible.
0: And see it as an investment for ourselves, right? This isn't about doing less. It's about doing more for ourselves so we can then give more to others, whether that's a team, a company, a pitch.
1: Yeah, and and break free of the nonsense that the 1900s brought together and (laughs) the industrial revolution brought together that – our success in life is defined by how many things we buy and how many hours we work mm-hmm. um I, I don't think that we're uh, our life is defined uh, when we're 90 and and on our deadbed or whatever age that we remember oh my god i managed to work 200 hours in a row without sleeping I and mean, those are not the things that are important in life it may be that what you value more is having success in your business and that's fine and, and if that's what you really want you should do it but you shouldn't see it as the only option that you will strive for your entire life. I mean, I know that when I was in my early 20s, my late 20s, my early 30s, and now that I'm 37, my priorities in life has vastly changed.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's that whole adage work smarter, not
1: harder. Cannot agree more.
0: All right. On that note, I just want to again thank you for your time. What when you look forward and obviously, you know, this has been a very distressing um, period of time that I think will make a huge mark in history. What, when you look forward, what are you most looking forward to? What are you excited about in the coming, you know, months,
1: years? I'm hoping that the current crisis and everything that's been happening in the world in the last year um brings us together to see that running in a model of of just more, 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 more money and and the markets going up and and draining our resources is coming to an end for a more sustainable way of of living life where we value success um, differently than just pure financial gain um, and that we do find ways to live more equal lives. And that right now, I, I often feel that we're still stuck in the early 1900s with the way we Teach our kids the way mm-hmm. our hospitals are run, the way governments are run, um, and and we are stuck in concept of the past, uh, living in the future. I mean, the lives we live now was science fiction 25 years ago, um, even more so 100 years ago, um, and we live in a world that will keep changing and changing yet we are stuck in ways of the past let's let go of all of those ways of the past and build a future that is equal for all and where uh, we value lifelong learning and that we value um teaching in in different alternative ways depending on how our kids are 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 born and and who they are as people and that we stop trying to fix people when they're sick we start trying to focus on them not ever being sick. So I'm hoping that all of the current uh, crisis and and all of the the changes in society will lead us to that in, in the coming years.
0: I love it. And I'm with you. I'm, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, something to look forward to when I think in times like this, it can feel really hard to see the wood from the trees and see beyond, but, you know, the, the changes, the conversations that we're having, the, remote working that's been forced upon us you know a lot of good can come through this um and you know it's it's on all of us to lead that change into building a lifestyle like like you said that is equal and um excited excitable for everyone so thank you
1: yeah and i i think the burden is even more so on white men like me because i do think that everyone should focus on equality but white men have been a cause of inequality for way too long and it's time that we all take that burden on our shoulder and and drive change
0: great message um that's really powerful and thank you so much martin for sharing your own personal stories um and for speaking up on behalf of others so i i really value this this
1: episode well thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure being with you today